Really well, well. Before we dive deep back into another episode of Out of the Main, we've got two announcements to make. Two. Two announcements. Nice. Um, one is probably minor in the grand scheme of things, but one you might call pretty major. Yeah, we're going to save that one for later, though. We're going to save both for later. Okay. So the minor announcement will make next week it's relative to august red which is my yeah. brainchild and somewhat your creation um it's a musical project in the yacht rock genre but mm-hmm. we'll make that announcement next week and then later in the episode we're going to make a major announcement and the tease is whatever happened enough said right yes cool we well, can answer that now well no we can answer what's gonna happen what's gonna happen okay correct yes but before we get there, we okay. wanted to return to some uh, territory we've tread on in the past, and that's something we call a scene on TV. Yeah, a couple of months ago or so it was, um, we had it on our Catch of the Day radio show, right? which, which is, is um, as we say, it's a radio show that is focuses more on playing full songs of music with some analysis and uh, commentary by us, but it's different than the podcast in the sense that the podcast is all much more of a discussion-oriented thing. So, Yep, more of a talk show, and that's probably what? Uh, catch of the day is 5% talk, maybe? Yeah. 10%, something like that. And it, it gives us the ability to run full songs because it plays in, in areas where the licensing is covered. We don't have to worry about that yeah. as you do in a podcast. Right. A couple places where you can find that is, uh, of course, Yacht Rock Miami. Right. Yacht Rock and Radio. Yep. Uh, Pacific Coast FM. Correct. And coming to other internet radio stations near you. Yes. So, check out Catch of the Day. Um, it's not a regular thing, but it is periodically. It'll pop up on those stations. Yeah, and it, we um, what we do on Catch of the Day is it... We take the we know that the yacht rock center of the universe is essentially Michael McDonald, uh, what a fool believes. But there's all these different branches to yacht rock. There's the yacht, the more disco side, the more um, adult contemporary side, the more R and B side. And each one of these, I I see them as sort of spokes of a wheel. Yep. And they go out from the center, and gradually you get far enough out that you hit the wheel, and you're either going to go outside and be yacht or be some sort of adjacent, or you stay in, but each of these spokes is its own individual thing and worthy of its own analysis. So each episode of Catch of the Day studies one of those spokes. Yep. Picks a theme, if you will. Correct. We even did a Yacht Country, y'all. We did. And we also did an As Seen on TV, which we want to revisit today. Yes, for a couple reasons. One is because we thought it was kind of fun um, to kind of look at what was happening in the culture comp of the era Mm -hmm. um, and how that bled into things from like the musical genre into other things like movies, TVs, uh, TV specifically today. Yeah. as well as, like we did with Yacht Country, Yacht right? Country, right. Because Yacht Country, we talked about why was it happening, and we kind of looked at some other cultural places where you were seeing country bleed over out of pure country areas, more into the mainstream. We saw it in movies and uh, things like that, and that there was this term crossover country. and um, So we were going to look at that as how culturally things that we know now today as Yacht Rock, how they were so much part of the culture beyond just what you heard on the radio. They became very uh, deeply invested into, well, in this case, TV. Yeah. And so the tunes are fun. That's why it uh, commanded us to do a Catch of the Day radio program. But also the kind of the backstories on some of these are interesting, too. And we've also found some other new Yachty treasures that we did not include in the episode mm-hmm. that we aired. So. Well, we only had so much time. That's know, true. Other, so. yep. And radio, they're sticklers. Yeah. So... You know, I think the where this all started for me was pretty early on with the recognition that there was a certain Joey Scarberry tune that is really kind of yachty, but kind of gimmicky as well. And it was the Greatest American Hero theme. Believe it or not, I'm walking on air. I never thought I could feel so free. Yeah, that was one of my favorites. I had that on early episode on one of my guilty pleasures and that's one of those songs that i've always loved i loved it back then and you know i remember hearing it on the radio and the hook was so strong but then i saw that show you know and this guy in the red pajamas and it, it somewhat ruined it for me at the time but you know i was kind of able to overcome it for a while what's so funny though is i was like five how many years younger than you yeah so i was obviously more naive but i loved the show I did too. And but I was, it was convinced like, that the greatest American hero was the same dude as um, 
the, for the Blue Lagoon. I'm like, oh, that blonde curly dude. Oh, yeah, dude. yeah, he did look like him. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I was going to say what ru- what almost ruined it for me, though, then again, and still kind of comes up inside the back of my head every time I hear that song, is from Seinfeld when George uh, Costanza made it his uh, answering machine yes. song. Believe it or not, George, George isn't, isn't in here. But, Leave a message and maybe he'll call. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good tune though. Aside from it being, you it know, is. associated with a gimmicky uh, TV show, and, and a um, good album too. Good album, and then it kind of led us to find a hidden treasure or buried treasure of his, um, which we did. Some Love research. you like the last time. Love you like, which is just a jam. Mm-hmm. And then the more we kind of learned about Joey Scarberry, the more we realized that he was actually sort of emulating. England Dan and John Ford Coley. He Correct. really loved that sound and wanted to kind of record something yep. like that. So Precisely. Well, that was an obvious one. Yeah. And then the next thing that happened for me, just chronologically, is I'm in one of the Facebook groups, probably the Facebook group. Um, I consider it the Michael Adelano's yes. Facebook group. Biggest one. Biggest one. Most active. Uh, most fun, I think. Oh, but yeah. anyway, so I'm in there, and somebody posts the theme from Taxi, Yacht or Nyat, right? Yeah. Wants to right. know. And immediately I'm like, Nyat. Because all I can hear is that real mellow, like, bluesy, electric piano, just whatever they played in the 30-second mm-hmm. open. Mm-hmm. But I decided we're going to click on it, and I let it run. And I remember I sent it to you. I'm you like, did. Give this a you chance. Said, wait, yeah, wait till the solo section. It gets really odd. And it did kind of get odd. Yeah, Eric Gale. I remember that uh, name. He's, he was like a fusion, very influential guitarist in the fusion era. But yeah, he he laid down some good stuff. In and that. the artist there is Bob James. Bob so James. that name comes up a lot then. Doesn't he in the Yacht Rock Circles? Yeah. Um... A bit more on the the jazzier side of it. So you know, if we we talked about yacht jazz at one point, he's probably a little more there. I think he did produce some yacht rock artists, but not quite as prolifically as like uh, George Duke, who stepped out of the jazz area to do that. Right. Yep. And then I'll just give you sort of my last foundational pillar for why we, at least why I wanted to cover this topic. And I know you have issues with this. But the uh, the serious channel Yacht Rock mm-hmm. plays <laughs> the, a, the full version of the WKRP in Cincinnati tune as Yacht Rock, and I. But you don't really consider it that yachty, right? Not really. But the long version has pretty cool guitar licks, but most importantly, an extended electric piano solo. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, and then it makes it more yachty, of course. It was such a mod sound. The electric <laughs> piano solos kind of predates the later version of the Rhodes. It's that yeah. early version. It just sounds so yes, like but detective show. It, it's a it's a fun tune, and it reminds me of an era that, like, when I was probably just starting to get into watching TV shows that yeah. I decided I liked, and that was one of yeah, them. Our parents didn't want us watching that. No. They didn't like it. Yeah, but... I do have a story to tell about that, The though. fun fact you uncovered? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I read that, um, that when the show, after it ran its initial course, which was a network run, and then it gets renewed for um, syndication, so reruns on other stations, when they originally licensed the music for that. So when they would, uh, you know, Johnny Fever would put on a record, it'd be Van Halen playing or something like that. Mm -hmm. Those songs only got licensed for is like a three year run. So after the three years ran out, if they wanted the show to continue to run in reruns, they had to either re license. And by then, you know, relicensing Van Halen would have been, you know, extremely expensive. Mm -hmm. So they went in and they would put stock music in place. So just, you know, library music, some sort of rocket thing, whatever it was. And that served the purpose of the licensing. But the problem came in when in some of these scenes they had music playing in the background, maybe, you know, Blondie or something mm-hmm. like that. And they're talking over it. Right. So now pulling that piece of music out is far more difficult because of the voices on top of it. Well, so they had to replace the music. But then they had to go and get voice sound-alike actors to re-say the lines over the top and mix that in and <laughs> what a all to avoid a, a costly license. For yeah, reasons. was it worth it? You know what just dawned on me? Did the WKRP format really work? You've got Johnny Fever playing Burnout Rock. <laughs> You've got Venus Flytrap I mean, playing, what was he playing, Disco and Soul? Yeah, and like the Quiet Storm at night. Yeah, yeah Quiet Storm. <laughs> and then who was the country guy playing country? Like that, oh, that yeah. format wouldn't yeah, but exist. It was the news. It was Les Nessman Les with the Nessman. news. It held it all together. And then Ford. was Herb Tarlick the ad sales guy? Yeah. 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 But that format wouldn't survive anywhere where it's different every three hours. No, but wouldn't we love that oh, today? Uh, exactly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. See, that's what radio programming gets wrong. They don't understand. They think they know what people want, 
but they obviously don't because now we're all on Spotify and we're on Sirius and we're on everything else to avoid. Because of what they turned it into. Exactly. But uh, the great producer Tom Dowd once said that people don't know what they like. They like what they know. Mm. So if you wonder why you're hearing old-time rock and roll on classic rock radio for the umpteen billionth time. Or Yacht Rock. Yeah, maybe <laughs> that's why. They seem to think that people want to hear it. Whatever. Well, so all of those stars kind of aligned and dots connected. And um, the more we dug into it, the more I started realizing that, wait, there's a lot more Yachty theme songs out there that I realize. And then you start hearing yeah. them and then they start yeah. popping up. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we mentioned it because um, I don't notice it on my list, but it just came to me. Um, Al Jarreau's Moonlighting. Some. Do you have that one on your list? I do. It was yeah. on our, actually, it was on the show, too. I know. I don't know how it missed uh, my notes. It must have been gotten lost in the copy and paste, but suddenly mm. I was reminded of that. When you said Yachty, I thought, I just pictured Al Jarreau, and it's like moonlighting came to mind. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, the sounds are a little more modern, because yeah. I think that was beyond. It's a little late 80s, but yes. But still, it was, there's definitely, you hear the ticka, ticka, ticka yeah, in the It's an intro. extension of that era, it for is. sure. Um, and then that full version has like a cool, as I remember, a harmonica solo, doesn't it? Hmm. We'll have to, I knew I might have to go searching for it. Yeah. I do remember that um, the way they edited it down. I to try to say that. Edited it. Yeah. The way that they edited it down for the show made so much sense. that yes. When I went and heard the long version, I'm like, oh, this feels like it's going all over the place. <laughs> I agree. It's so weird. Well, and then here's a similar, or as they say in Kentucky, similar yeah. way, uh, tune in a couple of ways, which is, you know, Without Us. Yeah. So, so that was the theme song to... I always get uh, Family Ties, right? Family, yeah, family Ties. We've been 1978. For a million years. And I bet we'll be together for a million more. Oh, it's like I started breathing on the night we kissed. And I can't remember what I ever did before. What would we do, baby? So that's Johnny Mathis, who to me always, I couldn't tell his voice apart from Al Jarreau at the time. And he's with Denise Williams. Right. And then, to your point, like that song has this huge, long, extended kind of ad lib sort of section mm-hmm. that's really mm-hmm. kind of funky and cool. It's like, oh man, I never knew that existed until I heard the original. Yeah, and I guess it was the, originally it was the same song performed by somebody else for the first season. I don't know how many episodes. I think it was just the first season. season. Or yeah. maybe just the pilot. But I thought it was the first whole season. It might have been the first whole season on that one. Um, but it was, us. I found some interesting notes about that one. That was composed by Tom Scott mm-hmm. and a guy named Jeff Barry. Are you familiar with Jeff Barry? Now, this goes way before Yacht Rock. I have a link that I could click on yeah, right Jeff Barry was, um, he was one of the original pioneers of early pop bubblegum music. Uh, his wife, Ellie Greenwich, was another one he wrote with, and they were... Big, big-time producers and songwriters for bands like the Monkees, the Archies, worked with early Neil Diamond. They were um, Brill-building writers, and they ran, mm. or they I believe they were running the Brill-building writing consortium at the time, which the Brill-building is this building in New York City. It's called the Brill-building because there was some guy that ran a haberdashery on the bottom floor, <laughs> Brill, but that wasn't really the name of the building, but that's what everybody called it. Mm-hmm. And this was a center where people that were just, they were hired as songwriters, and they came into work every day, sat in a room, and wrote songs. And this and Jeff Barry was one of those cats? Jeff Barry ran the thing, oh. to my understanding, but guys like Neil Sedaka, uh, Burt Backrack, that's where Neil Diamond got his start. Uh, Carol Bayer Sager, all these big East Coast writers, Billy Joel, all got their start in this Brill building. So you imagine, we talk about the West Coast and the packed talent in those studios. Imagine walking into this place, and um, it's it's just unbelievable. In fact, another note on that building is that somebody else that had their headquarters, had their offices in the Brill building, not, not necessarily part of this songwriting consortium, but had offices in the building, were Fagan and Becker. Oh, so there, that's tying it all back. Interesting. I think they make mention of the, that fact in that Asia documentary. Now we yeah. just when they were because they started off in New York, right? And, and they were palling around with the likes of Neil Sedaka for a time, which you know that that so the, that group that you mentioned, that East Coast group of songwriters, mm-hmm. that group 
just individually, but you take them as a group, had the uncanny ability to write a hook that they yeah. don't write anymore. Like sugary no. sweet, maybe it's too hooky, whatever, for today's standards, but Burt Bacharach in particular. It would certainly be mu- much more the AM gold sound. Yeah, uh, for sure. Probably a little earlier than the Yacht Rock era, but yeah, I mean, that was a heyday of adult yeah. contemporary writing, man. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, I have an interesting uh, curveball okay. to take, a new direction to take us in. And that is, Ready. much to my surprise, after the Catch of the Day episode aired, and we did the following segment mm-hmm. on General Hospital. The yachtiest show of all time, we're deeming it. Yes. <laughs> Not one person called and demanded my man card to be returned. So let's do it again. Okay. Very good. So, General Hospital. Yes. Late 70s comes just out of nowhere to become the dominant soap opera probably from then on right yes. maybe some competition from days of our lives but yeah. really i've said this before it just dominated the culture in so many ways it was everywhere the cover of every magazine yeah. and just the paraphernalia and the merchandising it was well, kids in high Wars. school when we went we went to an all-boys high school and we were rushing home from school to watch it <laughs> you know the the luke and laura wedding had 30 million viewers i saw the largest the, daytime audience wow. at least up to that time you know other than, you know, weekend sports. Right. And of course, we say back then the choices were fewer, but in some ways that led to more of a density in terms of what people were watching. But if something was good and something became like a cultural phenomenon like General Hospital, yeah. everyone was watching. It was if like for the it to Dallas. be 3 o'clock in the afternoon to grab 30 million people. That's amazing. You know, it's not just a case of, well, I had the TV on anyway. Yeah. You know, you're talking about people making a point of seeing it. Right. So, so we did a whole little segment which started with before Luke and Laura got married. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Laura, <laughs> here I go again. I'm Do gonna, it. <laughs> all from memory. It's my this favorite no part Wikipedia, of the show. Like it happened just yesterday. Yeah. So Laura and Scotty Baldwin are a thing. Yes. And they're engaged to be married. Right. But Laura finds herself becoming attracted to this loser played by Anthony Geary. They always love the bad guy, don't they? Yep, they sure do. They love trouble. Yeah, that's why I'm still single. <laughs> um, so Anthony Geary plays Luke. Yep. And he's got the hots for her too, right? Mm-hmm. And so they find mm-hmm. themselves alone after closing at the disco. At the disco, it was owned by Richard Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Right. right Talk about cultural cultural oh, phenomenon. It was. Right, now they're calling for the band cards. Yeah. Anyways, so they kind of get into the seductive mood, and a song comes on, and they start dancing. Who could resist none that other song? Than, what's that? Who could resist that song? Oh, let's hear a little of it. Herb Alpert's Rise. Yeah, boy, what a song, though. That was um, 1979, yeah. Grammy Award for Best Pop Instrumental Performance. And uh, the notes on it said that it was originally recorded uh, as an up-tempo disco yeah, number, you know? Right. But the drummer kept insisting, man, it'd be so much cooler if we slowed it down. So a typical disco tempo would be in the 120, 122 is considered like the magical disco tempo for whatever. Whatever. But anyway, they brought it all the way down to 100, which is really Lots kind of a, what would be considered a too slow to disco tempo. But man, it just grooves at that tempo. It's more yachty at that tempo. Oh, for sure. They were disco grooving, I remember. I could picture it like it was yesterday. I didn't even think I know what uh, Luke was wearing. Oh, Some no. kind of white blazer and pants and you know, probably a black shirt underneath that's buttoned down to his navel. <laughs> was his I, hair curly? Let I don't remember. Oh, he had the perm. <laughs> yes. Just as Richard Simmons did. And oh. the Brady boys. Yes, they Mr. did. Mr. Brady. His perms were in. And so, by the way, this is the guy from uh, Blue Lagoon and the guy from Greatest American Hero. Here we go. Anyways. Um, so that was that. But, of course, then she goes on to claim that Luke, quote unquote, raped her. And, of right. course, that was never the case. But that ends up turning into something of a romance. It did. It did. Leading to eventually that uh, history-breaking wedding episode, Exactly. Right? Yep. yep. They got married. Well, and then Scotty, <laughs> she was about to marry Scotty, and somehow Luke comes out of nowhere, climbs out of a 
pulls her into the water, yeah. which is yachty because he was. <laughs> That's right. They were on a dock. He snuck he in on a boat, <laughs> <laughs> on a big yacht. That's true. Pulls her into the water, and then she resists for a second, and, and then says, "Nope, we're gonna run off together." Takes her off. Yeah. Oh my which gosh. brings us to the next love song. Yeah, so, so they got a reputation of launching music because they launched some other songs I don't recall, but I know the disco scenes where they played a lot of contemporary music. So they were already starting this idea of launching hit songs out of the show. So that leads us into where you're headed. Well, yes, a very yachty song, which is Patty Austin and James yeah. Ingram doing Baby Come to Me. Yeah, that's from um, Patty Austin's album, uh, 1981, Every Home Should Have One, it was called. Mm-hmm. And I see that album consistently listed in top tens. If I click on clickbait articles about the top ten yacht rock albums, it's in nearly every single list. Was that produced by Quincy? It was. It was. Yep. And I've given it a listen. It doesn't, it just doesn't grab me. I'm not sure. The whole why. album? I yeah. Yeah. I don't know if the song was, does, though, right? The song I love, yeah. Well, the song grabbed Luke and Laura because now they're an item. They are. And this is sort of their theme. This is their theme. Right? But it was all over the radio. Absolutely. Yep. And I loved it. And I believe I, it's Lewis Johnson on bass, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Which yeah, just makes the that. whole You're thing right. yachty. Mm. Mm-hmm. Such a good song. Well, that was what, 1982 they pulled that maneuver? Yep. So the following year, <laughs> back to the well. <laughs> Well, back to the exact well. Exact because, well. well. Well, they we, did flip it. Different characters, for starters. Different characters. So now yeah. it's Robert and Holly need a theme. They need a theme, but we love this Patty Austin, James Ingram combination. Can we just go back to the fact that Holly had a perm? Oh, that's right. Yes. <laughs> Robert did not. Robert could um, not. But, yeah, so we got Patty Austin and James Ingram again, but this time it's on James, James Ingram. It's his turn to have it on his album, right? And this one is called How Do You Keep the Music Playing? I know. So is that the album that's got, like, Yum Will Be There? And that? Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. It's also produced by Quincy Jones. I don't think all of it. Okay. It, I think it's on Quincy's label. I'd have to double check I that. I thought there were a couple songs on there that maybe had a different producer. I think I even note that it was co-produced by Johnny Mandel. Okay. Maybe that's it. Um, yeah. But that tune was all over the place, too. Not, not quite as yachty until you get to that bridge yeah. where it sort of kicks in. Yeah, that one's a lot more swoony and emotional, you know, like a more classic R&B ballad, but it does kick into the motion, like you say, later mm-hmm. on in the bridge. It's kind of going into a place where uh, there are a lot of mid-'80s sort of uh, orchestra- orchestral ballads. and Yeah, things like Lionel Richie's Truly yep. and things like that coming to mind, yeah, for yep. sure. Yep, so um, sticking with the theme. Yeah, see, now th- we, we've... There's a period of time where Laura is missing and presumed dead. And Luke is, of course, you know, pining, pining for her. Right. And uh, he keeps having these sort of flashes where he thinks he sees her. You know, he's starting to imagine seeing her in all these different places. You know, any any woman with blondish hair, he sees from behind, oh, could it be her? Because he has this feeling that she's not really gone. I have a spoiler alert. So if you're listening and you don't want to hear how this turns out, turn off the podcast now. Turns out Laura was there. Oh, wait, you, you warned. Okay, yeah. you, you can come back now. So it started out as premonitions, but it turns out she was never dead because she That's was supposed right. to have been dead. That's right. So what do you know about that song? Well, I know that uh, Christopher Cross is none too happy that they used it. Apparently not. Um, we're talking, obviously, about Think of Laura. It was his fourth and final top ten, um, and much of it, the success of that song was because of the use on the show, though he says that ABC never got permission and never paid him. And I really struggle believing that. And I, I feel like I'm calling Christopher Cross out and I don't mean to, I have a hard time believing that ABC, a network show with so uh, much on the line, by the way, at this it, point. And so big at the time and would just take another major labels artist 
and just take the song and use it without going through the protocols. I find right. that hard to believe. Now, what I could understand is that the label said okay and nod, nod, wink, wink, um, but never really uh, addressed it with Christopher Cross because it was a very emotional song for Christopher Cross and it was used completely out of context. I could understand that he was never told. I have a hard time believing the label just, you know, or the, the General Hospital well, and ABC just went rogue. So talk about what the song's about, because maybe there was a matter of, okay, well, we want, you know, the label saying, yeah, we'll take your money, but we're not going to tell Christopher because he'll say no, because the song is about something completely different and it's personal. Yeah, it was, uh, there was like a gang war shooting at uh, near Denison College in Ohio, and this girl, Laura, was sitting in the car um, they had just finished like a recital or something like that. She was in the car waiting for somebody. Which she was just an idle bystander, and a stray bullet hit her and killed her mm-hmm. right there. And he knew her. Apparently, yeah. Christopher knew her. Yeah. So you can understand how this would not. Yeah, I don't want to commercialize this. Yeah. And maybe maybe he said no to someone at some point, and the label did it anyway. I know. Yeah. But you're right. It's hard to believe that the station would, because there would be a lawsuit, and there would be all kinds of issues, yeah. which we never heard of. You can't really fly. I mean, General Hospital on ABC could not be flying under the radar with something like this. With Christopher Cross, either. who And a song the, moving into the top ten. It would have been his fourth top ten within a year and a half. Yeah. So it's not like, okay. you know, oh, no, no, no. The, right. the artist will be so happy we used it. You know, we're yeah. making a name for him. Well, what they so. did do is then they've, now they really have a formula, but then they took it a step further, which is not only can we launch a song, Maybe we can launch a whole artist. That's right. And so they introduced this character, Frisco Jones, played by Jack Wagner. Yeah. Yes. And this character well, is the ex- band. The band was originally Blackie Parrish's band. Remember Blackie Parrish? John Stamos. John Stamos. Yes, he was. And a then he was the drummer, but he needed a guy that could sing and play guitar. So then that's when he brought in this Jack I Wagner character that. that could sing. Yes. Yes. Frisco Jones, named after his mom's favorite city, San Francisco. Oh. Boy, do I know way too much of this. Anyway. I didn't even know that. Yep. <laughs> Blackie Parrish, you pulled that out. I know. This. <laughs> Watch, uh, hold on to your man card, yeah. if you will. But, uh, so yeah, so they launched this character. He's ex- explicitly a musician, and yep. they cut a record. I wonder, did General Hospital have anything to do with this? Like, was this all part of the plan? But he was... cut a record with uh, Greg Ballard, right? As the Greg producer. Ballard, yeah. Um, or Glenn Ballard. Glenn Ballard, and, um It was on... Quincy's label, Q West yes. Records. So um, I'm, I'm guessing that it wasn't an ABC thing, but uh, Quincy knew what he had. And so we're talking about the song All I Need from 1983. All I need is just a little more time to be sure what I feel. And it was written by Glenn Ballard and Cliff Magnus, who was also one of the producers. But a third writer is in that. That would be your buddy David Pack of Ambrosia. Ooh. Imagine that. I wonder it's mildly yachty. Yeah, and mildly. Awesome. Um, I, I love that tune, though. So that's yeah. a guilty pleasure. Sue me. It almost made it to number one. It stalled at number two for two weeks behind, do you recall? Uh, Madonna something. Yeah, Like a Prayer. Like a Prayer. Yeah, yeah. you're not going to... Beat that because that was like that number was one for like there. ten weeks or something, wasn't and it? It had controversy with it. It had everything yeah. going. I mean, controversy in the right way. They just it was a measured controversy, and they just that was all the rage, man. But they definitely succeeded in launching a musical career, albeit brief. But they did launch it. There was more than yeah. just this record, but just yeah, he had three for, good records uh, back then. Yeah. But he also had another hit song, semi-hit song off of this record that was also a General Hospital hit. Yep, you might recall that one, Lady of My Heart. Lady of My Heart. Lady on my heart, tell me who you are. I'm waiting in the dark. And Not I only do I recall it, let me give you some additional context. Okay. All I Need was a song that Frisco apparently wrote and sang for Felicia when he was clean and uh, clean cut and clean shaven. Right. That he goes off and becomes some mountain bumpkin. I can't remember why. He has amnesia. Well, he had to go into cover because he became a spy. That's right. Okay. So he's got a full beard, long yeah. Jesus hair, right? Yep. And he comes back and he w- needs to reunite with Felicia and yeah. she doesn't buy any of it. And right. Just, and so, but all, he was in the, the disco, which is now. Well, it had gone through a transformation because the disco became the casino. Yeah. And then the casino became a nightclub. Yep. And now Frisco's singing this song, Lady of My Heart, to Felicia to win her back. Mm-hmm. 
And it was written by, you want to hear this? Glenn Ballard again. But a couple other guys. Uh, this guy named David Foster and this other fella named Jay Graydon. Wow. Yes. There's your yacht connection, even though it's n- decidedly not, not, not a yachty. Not super yachty, but not at all. it's super... Um, but it's connected for the yes. purpose of this episode. It's definitely super David Foster, too. Yeah. I, re- I remember thinking all along, until we just started getting back into this, that David Foster produced... I even said it on this podcast, that David Foster produced this record. No. Nope. And then it was like, no, but Glenn Ballard was sort of a David Foster kind of mm-hmm. aspirational David Foster. And then, but I knew mm-hmm. David Foster was involved somehow, and now you just there it is. Yeah, yep. there it is. Well, maybe we should. Yeah, I think get that off closes this, out the General Hospital uh, cycle for now. There's probably been stuff since, but probably nothing even closely. Yachting. No, that was quite the wave. Yeah. Well, let's go into a different strain of thought here, or train of thought, okay. if you will. And that train is. This is a kind of crazy turn here. Larry Carlton. Yeah, Larry Carlton was involved in TV themes quite a few. Yeah. Um, well, where do we begin? Uh, this, I'm going to throw out this first one, and this was um, beginning in episode 12 of this show and ran for eight years. He did the theme for Magnum P.I. Is Larry playing all of that guitar? I'm assuming, right? I'm assuming. Yeah. yeah. So who he wrote that co-wrote that with? Um, it was, um, I believe that was a Mike Post composition. I don't believe that uh, Larry Carlton wrote that one, but uh, and Mike Post was a guy that was writing so many TV show theme songs back then. Yeah, he kind of had a similar sound in a way to um, going back to the Bob James Taxi thing. I thought that Mike Post's sound. Now it's not uh, certainly Magnum PI is not a good example of that, but uh, Hill Street Blues yep. theme that was one. And they did an EP together, Mike Post and Larry Carlton, in 2005, which I'm assuming are all songs that they had co-written, yep. right? And yeah. so you've got Rockford Files, White Shadow, all of these classics Yeah, uh, yeah. from back in the day. That's worth a listen, too, because they, the performances are recent. And but very closely indicative of the way the originals were, I yep. thought. They sound close, yep. yeah. Yep. But to hear Larry Carlton in the year 2005 still ripping it yeah. is impressive. So you want to know one that he did write? Yes. Who's the boss? That is crazy. I know. He wrote the music for it. Uh, I guess the creators of the show wrote the lyrics. But that's a good tune. Yeah. Again, yeah. I, it's always so stupid, be, or I think of it as so stupid, because all I could hear are the stupid lyrics, and then yep. pictures of Tony Danza, and what's her name? Judith Light. <laughs> Judith Light. Who, she by was the way, an ex-soap star. <laughs> she was. And then ended up on Journal Hospital, I think. But oh, she started, no. she was in One Life to Live. I don't, oh. I'm not sorry, all my children, I don't know that, yeah. I just looked it up. Um, um, but that yes. one ran from 1984 to 1992, so it started right on the end. It was written just in time to still be part of the yacht circle. But then it ran for the next eight years. Yeah. And then, you know, so we're in the mid-80s now. Yep. And um, we're getting some different sounds. I'll give you an example. The theme to Night Court. Yeah. (laughs) So it's got, it opens with that slapping, popping bass. It's got some wailing guitar solo, right? Mm -hmm. And I always loved that song, more so for the bass, but also for the sax. And then it wasn't until this year, 2021, that I found out, do you know who plays the sax in that? It wasn't until you told me that I knew. Ernie Watts. Yeah. That's crazy. Probably because we didn't know who Ernie Watts was a year ago, or barely did. And I wasn't checking out Night Court themes. I was checking out That's Yacht true. Rock. That's true. But um, there's a cool extended version of that that uh, we can maybe link to in the show notes. But uh, 
every version of the original that I hear, it sounds like somebody held up a microphone to a hi-fi and said, okay, hit it. I know. It looks like it was still mixed for that tiny little four-inch TV speaker that you yeah. had, you know, like AM radio mix. But it's worth listening. Now that you know it's Ernie Watts, worth listening to go back. Yep. And, uh, that's a Yachty sax solo. Mm-hmm. And then the other one I'll just throw out there, and then I'll let you uh, kind of take us into a new direction here, is the uh, discovery we made. It was near the end of our Catch of the Day episode where I think it was the last song we played. It is. Which is the Thank You for Being a Friend thing from yeah. Golden Girls. Yeah. was actually written by Andrew Gold. From 1978. Yeah. Yep. Let's say he of Is It Yacht or Is It Yacht, uh, Lonely Boy thing. Right. Right? Right. That's kind of right on the edge. But he wrote that to it and recorded it mm-hmm. and released it in 78, 79. Totally different sound, but it was kind of cool. To yeah, and then this different that. recording was used for uh, Golden Girls from 85 to 92. Yeah, they had to have some gals sing it because it was about the gals. Yeah. yeah. Goes without saying, now, doesn't it? Yes, it does. But, so that's kind of where that episode wrapped. And then we discovered, I should say you discovered, some newer editions that are very, if not yacht-worthy, yacht-adjacent. Um, <laughs> what were those? Oh. <laughs> well... I'll give you one since you're clearly unprepared because I considered putting this in the catch of the day, but I couldn't decide if it was too yacht disco. And that's the theme from How Yachty Does It Get? The Love Boat. Love. Exciting and new. Come aboard. We're expecting you. And love. I think that would. You got to give that one a pass, right? Right. I don't care what word you have to put after yacht. If you want to do yacht disco, yacht whatever, I don't care. To connect it to this, it connects. I mean, it's about Come a big on, man. boat, yeah. Ian has enough a little bit. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I know I put the chips theme in there because that's so heavy disco, man. Very but it's fun. Disco. It's still fun to go back and hear that one. The theme from Cheers. Uh, ah, yes, I did. It's, it doesn't uh, sound yachty to me, but I loved the song. Yeah, it's era appropriate, and it's obviously, you know, sometimes you want to go. When it kicks in there, you're kind of getting into maybe that Andrew Gold area. That's what I would Not put exactly it. yachty, but you're kind of flirting with it. Yep. And then speaking of yachty, listen up, Captain Juan, mm. Captain Alex. <laughs> John tried to make the case that the. I did. Miami Vice theme <laughs> belongs in this context. I did not say that I thought it belonged in this context. I said it was 80s. Yes, that's true. relevant. But so, it was fun to kind of yeah. rediscover it. That's Jan Hammer. Yeah, and the early uh, use of the, some of those great sampling keyboards that were coming out then. It's exciting sound. Did you find any uh, interesting tidbits along the lines of Larry Carlton wrote Who's the Boss that you want to share with us when you added some of these? No. Okay, good. Because we're out of time. Good. But we are getting up to the big announcement big that we announcement. we're going to make. Before we do the lightning round, Yeah, um, I'll let you ha- handle this one because we talked about whatever happened. Now let's talk about what's going to happen. Yep, so I can tell people that uh, sort of an addendum to our Dane Donahue episode, a lot of people, their questions were, you know, what is what are Dane's plans in terms of recording again now that he's out and active and uh, you know, showing up on social media? What does it all mean? And he did allude to it in, in the episode. He, he said he, he wants said, to, he has been writing, he wants to yeah. record, and then what happened? He heard um, some Page 99 music that I sent him, and he called me two days later and said, I found the guy that I want to have produce my new music, and it's you. Me? He want, no, me. Oh. He wants to... His ultimate goal is to record new material, um, possibly in companion with a reissue, remaster, or remix of the original album with bonus tracks that we're going to do new, or we may end up doing an entire album. We're going through some of his old demos now. Um, He's also uh, co-writing some stuff with me, sort of virtually. Um, I think we're coming up with songs faster than 
the four. I mean, we got more than the four that we would need to do bonus tracks. And now we're debating whether it's going to be a full album. But I can tell everybody that Dane is working on new music and I am producing. Wow. Didn't he say he wanted to record one of your songs that he'll just sing on? Yes. One of the Page 99 songs? Yes. Yet to be released. And now now it's, he's got three of them that he wants to work on. So that's how I'm saying this whole Dang. thing is kind of rolling faster downhill than we can control it. But it's good. It's got a lot of momentum right now. Wait till you play him some August Red. He's going to be really fired. Tell up. us about August Red. No, we already did. We're doing that okay. next week. All right. Um, but back to this. So he sent you a tune... Um, but you played a little for me. Mm-hmm. That was a demo from back in the heyday. Are we able mm-hmm. to talk about that or no? Mm-hmm. And he said it's all open <clears throat> for business. Well, what was that yeah. all about? Well, that was just one of those songs that he sent. He was um, he he'd written a few songs with his friends that wrote uh, some of the songs on the first album. Um, they had this concept for writing a couple of songs that were very Don Henley esque, mm-hmm. and they wanted to write like the first two verses and send them to Don uh, Don, and have Don write the third verse and hopefully then sing a part. And it just never got completely off the ground. But uh, those were a couple of the songs that he sent that sounded really killer. They're a lot more of a, um, a Fogelberg Jackson Brown kind of thing. Yep. So I thought the one though would have sat right in on that Dean Donahue record. Yes. The one that you played for me. Yes. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. That was called uh, going down. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, That's got some great lyrics. He's still got the lyrics uh, magic. I'll tell you. I don't know if I'm more excited for you or for the fact that I get to hear a Dane Donahue record. You get to hear it before, as it's happening. Yes. Oh, if you need any bass players, mm-hmm. I know a couple good ones. Don't use me. <laughs> All right. Well, that's exciting. Um, cool. Well, very good. So that's what's happening. Now let's talk about the lightning round. Lightning round. Well, I'm dying to find out uh, how you have tied this in because every time you do, and I felt the pressure to find some way to tie mine in to the subject matter <laughs> at hand. And I managed to do it, sort of. So uh, I didn't. <laughs> After that build-up, I just decided I'm going to take a day off. All right. off. Yeah. All right. I didn't. Plus, I just got some oldie moldies here that I've been dying to throw at you. And just All right, then I guess take. with that, I get to go first. Yes, then. you do. So you've relinquished your spot. Mm-hmm. Okay, float your boat. Um, I'm going to go back to the Jack Wagner uh, mm. realm here. Um, I think I know where this is going. This song is actually been recorded twice, by once by Jack Wagner and once by the Commodores on their Night Shift album. It was uh, written and arranged by Jeff Lorber, so of Jeff Lorber Fusion, kind of a, kind of a tangent connection to the yacht jazz world. Mm-hmm. But um, Jerry Hay does the horns. Ooh, um, Diane odd. Warren is one of the other writers, and but. Uh, I'll play you the Jack Wagner version, but it's almost the exact same arrangement on the Commodores album. But here's Jack Wagner doing Lighten Up the Night. It's so electric. No need for the moonlight. Don't need any starlight. We're making sparks fly. Lighten up the night. When we get together, can't get any better. Our love's burning bright. We'll lighten up the night. Well, I would say... On paper, when you described it, yeah, uh, that would be very yachty. When I hear that combination of synth bass and synth drums, I feel like I'm getting ready to watch a montage in a Revenge of the Nerds movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. That's about right. <laughs> so I'm going to say, no, it does not float my boat. Yeah, I would say it's not a very yachty track either. But it's so highly programmed. I mean, yeah. the hook of the song and everything is strong, and it's got some yeah. cool players on it. But... Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I had to find some way to fit all these in here. Yeah, exactly. Without the pressure. <clears throat> and, of course, I did not. So I will shoot you with my, this is sort of a classic of the genre, yacht or nyat. So does this song float your boat in why? Lovely day. Bill with A lovely day. Posted a lot, and it's an amazing song. Even though he sings out of tune a lot, but um, well, what's amazing about that song, as you say that, is that I always felt like that long held out note was awkward. Yeah. But I did, you know, maybe need a vibrato. I never considered it out of tune until somebody in the Facebook group oh, yeah. mentioned that it is, oh. and now I can't unhear it. I know. Okay, I I don't see that one as yadi at all. Mm-hmm. I understand maybe where people connect it. It's a very 
feel good kind of song, but that, that doesn't is automatically that, put it in for me. Is it just R and B for you then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't feel a Yachty connection to him, probably because it doesn't have the um, sort of recording polish and stuff that mm. I associate. Yep. I, uh, I I think I agree, but I haven't taken it out of my list yet, and I think it's just been prior indoctrination that it belongs there, just so you know, because of you know Sirius or yeah. something else or a algorithm in yeah. I'd the- never put it in, but as an aside, I don't know if you've ever heard of a, a recent artist, Jose James, did a whole album v- of Bill Withers covers, and his oh, really? version of that's quite nice. They're fairly true to the original. It's uh, does he sing off nice. key just to make it sound? No, he actually mm. doesn't. Mm. Cool. All right, well, let's go on to Off the Map. Okay, you or first. Or no, not Off the Map. Buried Treasure. Buried Treasure. You first. This guy was, I think, sort of a, uh icon of the era. I don't know if he was ever on the small screen, but uh, I'm talking about Andy Gibb. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why this song took so long to get unburied for me, but I just love I Just Want to Be Your Everything. Man, I do love that. So I remember liking that. That was one of those uh, that I loved back in the day, but couldn't let any of my rocker friends know it. <laughs> it was so good. Yeah, and Man. I again just I hate to keep beating the horse that I'm a little bit younger than you. I just remember it in the background, always yeah. on. So I never realized probably because I was playing. Probably, yeah. <laughs> or they're playing it at the Farmer Jack or the AMP yeah. or the Chatham, yeah. but. Um, and then when I hear it recently, I'm like, that's a good tune. Like a bona fide good tune. It is. Did you know who the who plays electric guitar on that? No. No idea. Joe Walsh. No kidding. So unyachty. Wow. Yeah. Anywho. Hmm. I think so Joe Walsh would play for anybody, it seems like, back then. He, he, <laughs> he, well, he turns up in so many places that you wouldn't expect. That's the thing. Yeah. yeah exactly. All <sighs> right. Well, what do you got? Well, for, my buried uh, treasure is a Patrick Simmons song so this is from his solo album called arcade explain who patrick simmons is for the yes. uninitiated patrick simmons is one of the founding members of the doobie brothers yes. and um one of the guitar players and co um primary r- songwriters his biggest songwriting accomplishment was probably Blackwater. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is um later on in the michael mcdonald era in fact the michael mcdonald sings a lot on this record this this uh solo record he has has much more of the michael mcdonald sounding era doobie brothers to it mm-hmm. um but i wanted to pull one out because i was listening to that album the other day and i still had not filled out my lightning round section for this episode <laughs> and the solo section the uh came up on this one and it starts off with this horn riff it sounds like it's some um, sitcom music. It's like right out of the 80s sitcom. Mm-hmm. So let me play a little of that. And then comes the end of the solo section and it does this breakdown into this like disco clavichord vibe and all of a sudden it turns into a detective show. Check this out. So there you yeah. go. And now, yeah, now I'm in Rockford Files yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So I thought, oh, Cop man, show. there we go. There's a tie-in. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm totally it, rebuilding my uh, lightning round set. Gotcha. Do I hear flugelhorn in there? Is that Yeah, trumpet? I think so. Yeah. Sounds Either like flugelhorn or, or like cornet. It didn't sound exactly like pure trumpet. That's what I was thinking. If it's flugelhorn, it's kind of yachty-assy now all of a sudden. Okay. Um, because we got Chuck Mangione and then um, my buddy uh, Chuck Finley plays flugelhorn, yeah, I think. Yeah, right. He's, he's not my buddy. I no. wish he was. All right, I'm going to do, uh, or do you want to do off the map? I guess off the map is. I'm going to let to you me. conclude it because you're on theme. Okay, so I'm going to go good. off theme. I was. Uh, it's your uh, coded way of saying I'm first. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I can figure out a way to do it regardless <laughs> if I'm on theme or off theme. No, but I want you to end the show. I'm not saying I'm going to go first. I'm saying I'm going to let you go second. Okay, well that works. Let's do it that way. Wait. <laughs> All right, so I'm listening to a playlist I made um, that just, for lack of a better term, is called Prince. <laughs> it's yeah, mostly one. Prince, but it's like Prince-adjacent stuff. Yeah. So it's got, like, the family. Um, yes, I have my Minneapolis extended, as yeah, I call it. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah so the, the, if you're ever listening to the, or ever wanting to hear the best version of, um, what's the Sinead O'Connor, O'Connor? Nothing compares to you. Oh, the family's version of that. Which oh, I no think, kidding. Oh, it's the best. I don't know I it. Think, I'll do, okay. I think Prince produced it, and I'm pretty yeah. sure he's singing backup vocals. Okay, in. Um, but that's yeah, that was one of his creations, the family. Yep, 
so that's neither here nor there. What is here and there is, so I'm listening to a time song comes on, and mm. I was surprised at how yachty in parts gigolos get lonely too. What a song, what a song, what a song. Man, I, I can't I can't say enough good stuff about that song. It's got but. the bass groove. It's got the doom. It does, so, yeah. That's about it. Guess but. you heard my reputation. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not only is it a good tune, it kind of slides around. It kind of slides into the yacht the way Anthony Geary kind of slid in on the yacht <laughs> to steal Laura away from Scotty. All right, there. I tied it in. You oh, happy? jeez. All right. Well, my final tie-in for Off the Map is another James Ingram song. I feel that... Um, you know, he has some of the the obvious ones. Just once comes to mind, and then of course, "Baby Come to Me" and the mm-hmm. ones that we talked about. But there's one like slow burner that always seems to fall under the radar for me that people forget about. And so, the, this James Ingram tune is it's off the map because it's really just a great ballad of the era. But I think it's often forgotten, and that's why I wanted to bring it up. And that's called "There's No Easy Way." And I had to turn away. Cause I knew all the hurt that she was feeling, I was feeling too. Cause when it falls apart, there's no easy way to break somebody's heart. Yeah, that's a good one. I thought you were going to say just once, which is also mm-hmm. a good burner. Yeah. And not nearly as buried as uh, what you're... You know, the numbers, the streaming numbers on Spotify don't indicate this one as being as buried. They're pretty high really? by comparison, so. which really surprised me. But I, I swear that it's like the forgotten gem sometimes of James Ingram. Yeah, it is a good tune. Yep. Love it. All right, sir. Well, I guess that is the end of today's episode. We've launched some big news today. So congratulations on the Dane Donahue collab. Yep. That's what the kids would call it. Yep. And then next week we'll uh, drop some news on the release of August Red. Right, as long as you get to work. Now you got to finish this project before you do the Dane Donahue stuff, so it gets out there. Well, that's true. So, that's that's true. why I want to make the promise that it's coming out, so you have to. So you you're trying to get rid of me already, so I can go home and work. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. I want to. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe. All right, ahoy, ploy. <laughs> <laughs>